so now it's a matter of us pulling it all together to light the whole joint and, and putting on what I think will be a brilliant showcase for the sport. Yeah, we'll be honest with ourselves next week, as usual, and say, OK, it's a stonking result, but what could we have done better? Finding that passion for racing again. You know, stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because I love racing cars and I love competing and that's really what's changed this year. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, uh, post-Gold Coast show, as we uh, get ready for the penultimate round of the 2019 Championship at Sandown, the final ever Sandown 500. And then, of course, on to the uh, last round at Newcastle. It was interesting at the weekend, Craig, as much as who ran as who didn't. Um, obviously, uh, a couple of big crashes with uh, Chas Mostert, on Saturday, and uh, Scotty McLaughlin on Sunday, uh, riding off their cars. Um, obviously, uh, uh, they were very close to the edge and went over it, in fact. Yeah, Tony, wasn't it? And for Chaz Mostert, what a crash indeed for him. It was, uh, it was a weird incident, and then Sunday with Scott McLaughlin making the mistake which put him out, uh, just capped off a weird weekend. It's not the first time we've seen front light runners uh, putting themselves out of a race, but it's not that often you see two mistakes like that in the one weekend. So that DJR team Penske and uh, Tickford have got a large job in getting ready to uh, build new cars for their young chargers. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the momentum shift from certainly Mostert and McLaughlin is going to play when they do get onto the track at Sandown. It's it's going to make Sandown a, a fascinating. What has fascinated me, Tony, and I wanted to talk to you about it, is since the last round of parity changes, hasn't it been interesting to see that uh, how well Triple Eight has responded and it's no longer, as we saw at the beginning of the year, that it's uh, the Penrite cars, particularly of David Reynolds, that are making the uh, running for the Holdens. Craig, I think you'll agree that uh, the dominant work by Triple Eight in an amazing uh, performance, they uh, regained yet again that form that sees their two cars on top of the ladder. Of course, it was only Sandown a year ago when uh, they had a 1-2-3 on the podium. So this year, both uh, Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander and Jamie Wincup and uh, Craig Lowndes both had a win and a second, and they did it on consecutive days. Amazing work. And as we get ready for retro round, um, Tickford, for the super cheap auto Chas Mostert car, has come out with a, uh, a flashback to the, or a tribute, I should say, to the Alan Moffat um, Coca-Cola Mustang Trans Am. Yeah, I was there in 69 when Alan Moffat uh, turned up with his Trans Am Mustang. And uh, it's good to see Chaz uh, Mostert and Super Cheap are uh, showing their uh, respect for that uh, livery in the car, running uh, a tribute uh, livery on uh, the number 55. I'll tell you sometime about uh, Frank Gardner. He had another of those Mustangs which... Uh, uh, was interesting. It was another of the seven uh, built by Carcraft. But that's another story, another time. 
Yeah, it sounds like one that is worth hearing too. Hey, uh, Scott McLaughlin's Clash, we, we mentioned it before, but I think one of the interesting things was the fact that a shock absorber ended up in a... Uh, in an in a house, oh, an balcony, yeah, or a trackside yeah. balcony, I should say, ended up on a balcony, and that's one of those chilling reminders of just a the potential that this accident had, but also the dangers that whilst everything is done to keep motor racing as safe as possible, things can go awry, and the components can get well away from the yeah, uh, race indeed. car. And, and- Stephen Millard of GRM working and talking about the uh, Alex Davison crash and how the wheel wasn't retained because the tether didn't uh, it broke. But um, those wheel tethers, uh, uh, he commented that they'd have to be so large that they'd be unmanageable. So the idea of actually having one on a shocker and a spring is obviously uh, out of the question. It was a great trip for me. Going to the Gold Coast, I hadn't been there for some years and uh, catching up with a bunch of different people who will all feature on the show in the coming weeks. Uh, people such as Craig Hastead, Keys Wheel, Murray Lomax, who all gave me the time and their, their stories on uh, what they've been up to and uh, certainly an interesting... Uh... I haven't watched the television, Craig. I assume that uh, you did. The dramas that... DJR Team Penske had with uh, Fabian Coulthard's car and you had uh, a situation where a lambda meter which measures the exhaust gases um, anyone who races carts has probably had a lambda meter on their cart for years now and uh, here we had a situation where uh, because of the rules that came in this year to stop engines from being leaned off too much uh, the lambda meter playing up uh, caused an extra long pit stop for the number 12 car and basically put DJR Team Penske out of the weekend in in on the Sunday. One of the interesting conversations I had was uh, with Craig Hastead, who will uh, feature in a show coming up, and he was very proud that every car on every lap had the Lambdas recording uh, the uh, exhaust uh, from Bathurst, and uh, it was uh, part of the way in which the category is just so well managed and monitored. This week's show uh, will uh, not only feature uh, Todd Kelly telling me how well uh, Kelly Racing has done and how they're looking forward to the challenge of the Ford engine and the Mustang, but uh, it's certainly interesting to reflect on that. Uh, in the future, one will hear from one of the other young uh, team owners in Matt Stone. But also uh, Jamie Wincup telling us about uh, his time uh, and how he's adapted to coming onto the commission, the supercar commission. Um, it's an interesting development and one in which uh, Jamie takes us inside his thinking. The other big story at the weekend, Craig, was uh, about Richie Stanowage, which I'm sure uh, you would be fascinated in. Uh, it was a very unusual situation. He uh, he missed an autograph session, and Gary uh, made him pay the ultimate price. And he uh, sat out race twenty seven with uh, Dylan O'Keefe, who's been doing an excellent job in an Alpha run by Ash Seward and Gary Rogers um, in the TCR series. 
But uh, Dylan uh, was given a, a, a leg up and uh, ran with Chris Bither in the number 34 GRM uh, Boost Mobile uh, Commodore. Gary is about to leave the building, so to speak. Uh, that's the V8 Supercar building. He's still going to be around, of course, motorsport, as he has been for the last 50 years. But uh, we're seeing him in both CCR and Super 5000. We'll uh, still see him uh, well and truly represented there. But it certainly is an interesting weekend, and uh, we hope you'll enjoy uh, the conversations that we had uh, over that weekend. Onward with Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Penske. And you're on Inside Supercars. I'm here with Todd Kelly uh, on the second day of racing at Gold Coast. And uh, obviously there's a, a lot of things to happen before next season. And probably you'll be about the busiest workshop around. Yeah, we've had a lot of Christmas breaks like that <laughs> over the years with uh, the Nissan introduction and then homologations uh, every few years and updates to the Aero. So it's... It's uh, business as usual this Christmas, unfortunately, for the guys, but everyone's really excited about it. There's uh, a lot to do with the car and, and also the engine and our whole spares inventory, and then setting up our uh, Super 2 operation with all of the current stock as well through that period so that we're ready to go at the start of next season. So, yeah, it'll be as busy as it's ever been. There's a few of your boys like uh, Sean Hockey and Tony Green. His fingers might actually curl up starting touching forward pieces, you know, they would dive the wool holding men. I was quite interested to see what their reaction was. Um, and it's been it's been really good. You know, they've they've had experience across uh, all sorts of engines, you know, with even things that we do outside of car racing with our ski race yes. boats and the off-road stuff. Um, we've always got different bits and pieces in there and the and the four valve one was the big one because they're, you know, kind of old school racing guys, um, and they manage the whole the whole Nissan engine yeah. thing with absolute brilliance. So I think it's almost a, a relief to go back to to a two valve engine, and they're and they're all pretty excited about it. Yeah. Okay. So all right. Now, um, as part of the homologation process, I mean, there's changes coming for next year with the Mustang underway, and that's all still to be determined yet, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not not going to be anything that will slow us down. Um, we can still go ahead and get all of the steel work on the chassis and get you know the sides on and the roof skins on. Um, if anything, it might be just a small change to the front bar and the rear wing or something. So 99% um, of the car can be built um, as planned. Now, because you had the most complete race workshop of anybody in Pat Lane, so... Does that mean that sort of 80, 90 or whatever percent will still now be in, inside your workshops? Um, as far as all the composite work, we haven't really decided on any particular um, 
part to make in-house. We really need to get the whole car assembled, uh, or two cars. Um, we've ordered, I think, two or three complete car kits of, of everything that we need from all the different suppliers. And until we get all of those parts um, laid out in our workshop and bolted to the car and then see what's involved in making them ourselves versus what we can buy them for and assess every individual part on its own merit, um, you know, that'll be kind of January, February before we decide on what we do in-house. But there's plenty of work with the Super 2 stuff and the, the car build to keep all of the guys in the, those departments busy until we work out what we do ourselves. And you're a long way from making a decision on who's going to be driving on a Super 2 chair, aren't you? Yeah, well, that news only went out in the last week or two. Um, so it's our first first year in, in that for a while. Um, and with two cars, we want to make sure that we've got you know the, the right guys in there and, and they're there for the right reasons. And if we can make it uh, line up with our enduro plans, that'd be great. So um, yeah. the next... You know, two three weeks will be um, will make a little bit more progress on on what that looks like. But at the moment, I've got absolutely nothing locked in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Matty White clearly showed that your cars have a great place there, uh, with uh, both Fullwood and Goddard just really going gangbusters. Yeah. Well, that's kind of where the car belongs. You know, really, that they're racing against their own kind. The car that we've got here in Main Game, it's obvious for anyone to see that the ZVs are aerodynamically a whole another leap forward and then the Mustang you know came out on top of that so the Altima you know racing against the cars it does in Super 2 is what that car was actually designed for and now that we've developed the engines to the point where they're where they should have been at the start um, that whole package is really good so you know Matt White's got all the same engines as what you know, we've got in these cars so they've been pretty competitive. Someone who knows well and I won't name him for obvious reasons but has told me that it's three months since the fuel drop was really needed, that the quality of performance and economy um, with your engine versus the others. Um, do you feel that the fuel drop should continue on next year as part of the strategy game? Um, well, now that we've got the leaning out rule, so the, the yeah. lambda rule, um, if all the engines work out to be um, you know, to the point where no one's disadvantaged, yeah, it should probably be retabled, but um, what people do with their cam timing and everything to get the, the power number right with this new rocker could affect that a, a little bit. So, you know, until supercars run all the engines in, in next year's spec, I don't think we can decide on that until we've got all the information, which I don't think we have. Okay. All right, and obviously Brakeside is alive and well and you know, breathing and you're... You know, there would be appear to be a downsizer coming because you've currently got how many people on staff? Oh, like 50. Yeah. Yeah. So, depends on how how we structure it um, and what we do in house. Because you'd but be running four cars. Yeah, yeah. It might be five or seven people different. Yeah, yeah. Not major. Not, yeah. Nothing major. No. All right. One of the big news that came out this week was the commission and the announcement only a day or so ago that, that Jamie Wincup is joining it. I mean, I happen to be of a mind that it's a good thing, and I'd like your opinion because you're obviously involved such things about yeah. him coming on the on the commission yeah well the the commission um, we all rely on extremely heavily for the future of our sport the right decisions being made for, for the for the you know betterment of the sport and the sustainability of it is is 
really important and having people on there, there's always decisions that will affect individual team owners and team's performances. You know, like banning twin springs, someone may have had an advantage in a twin spring and has, has a vote and it's really hard for some people to take their team hat on even though it could save you know, a staff member per team and a huge amount of workload for all the staff and improve the racing. Sometimes it's hard for people to take their team hat off and vote for themselves to be disadvantaged for the for the um, sport. So, you know, I think he's he's um, a, a really great addition to the commission with what he's done outside of motorsport, you know, business-wise as well as in. He's a smart guy. The the key will be to make sure that in every situation. He just has that at front of mind and has uh, the best interest of the sport at heart. And if he can achieve that, you know, he, he's, a, he's a great asset to the commission, especially with, uh, you know, there not being a, a driver or ex-driver on there, other than Brad, who's quite ex. <laughs> and um, Neil. I, I probably only have about 35 years on you or something like that. So um, the thing I thought that very much so was that, um, you know, he is a driver, and you to a degree, um, having grown up in the social media life, having grown up where that's the norm. Uh, it's certainly not mine. I don't understand it. I don't Twitter. I don't Instagram or any of those things. Yeah. But they're things that obviously your organisation, that being supercars, really have to get your handles around and how to make it work for you. Yeah, I'm probably closer to you than, yeah. than uh, anyone else with that. I'm, I'm uh, way behind the times with the social media thing. I'd rather get my hands on tools and uh, engines and hand on the phone all day looking right, at yeah, it. Yeah. So, Country kid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah, they, you know, that's that's what the sport's become and, and the world's become, which which is good for being able to reach people and connect. But um, I think it's bad for society, to be honest. I, I think what your family, and I obviously include John and Margaret in it, your family has done over the last ten or more years is fantastic. I think to achieve what you did and. Okay, you didn't win a Bathurst, you didn't win the championship, but to be competing and competitive was a, a wonderful thing. And I'm not saying this to, to piss in your yeah. pocket. I, I mean it genuinely that uh, I think it's such an admirable thing. I remember the very first time uh, going and seeing when Brayside opened and I was just gobsmacked. Remembering yeah. that, that as a person, I used to work in advertising for 120Ys, okay? So I know for the brand had some meaning to me. Yeah, you know, no, I appreciate that. And it's to look back at it, it's quite a shame that... Um, the engine introduction turned out as it did because the engine that we have today in Super 2 is a testament to that. If we had a rolled out with an engine that was competitive at the start, we actually had a really good car in the Nissan Altima for the first number of years but no engine and um, things would have been different for sure if uh, basically if promises were kept and we could have uh, hit the ground running with that engine. So the whole thing, you know, is um, tarnished. Uh, from my point for the work that had to go in to, to get the results that we've got is, is quite a shame but yeah it's uh, you live and you learn yeah but certainly you should feel a great deal of pride for what you have achieved yeah, yeah. Um, on another note with your driving abilities and your driving skills that you had and obviously you did have and it, it was hard turning that switch off to I'm not a driver anymore um, well it changed a lot halfway through my career when when uh, I became a driver and a team owner at the same time, so right. that was at, at um, forcing another hat on your head. Yeah, so that you know, running a team and driving a car in this day and age got more and more difficult. So 
um, towards the end it was you know relief to, to be able to unload that responsibility and just focus on the, the team stuff to be honest but yeah certainly still today you know I miss when the cars are good like a Bathurst but, uh, yeah I, I, I miss it for sure. Have you ever had jumped in again just for a little drive? Oh, Rick Rick um, wanted me to jump in at the start of this year so I hopped in his car at Phillip Island I just did two laps or something and then parked it again and, and that was it so given that you know there's still um, you know an interest in it deep down not very deep down but it's, um, to, to drive or try and you know it's like giving up smoking I guess not that I'm a smoker but try yeah. to stay stay yes. away from it yeah. I quite enjoyed driving the um, S5000 for Gary and Barry that was a, that was a real buzz but other than that I've not, not driven anything yeah. okay because you did how long in Formula Holden just one year one year yeah. oh okay well, yeah. you made your impact there though. Yeah, yeah, that, that, uh, I miss those kind of cars. Yeah, uh, one last thing I just wanted to ask you, how do you think the series is going, you know, overall? I mean, there's lots of talk about the free-to-air, more of that's needed to, for commercially being able to leverage, you know, sponsors on board. Um, obviously, contracts will be coming up in the near future. How do you think the series overall is, is going? Uh, well, there's a few different aspects to that. The, the health of the series with, with the fans and everything is fantastic and you know the balance with free to air and it probably needs a little bit of a tune up for, for the fans that aren't the ones that go to the track all the time that watch it you know and, and the balance of income from that um, you know people that turn up at our, our major events like Bathurst it still blows me away that yeah. it's growing and growing so the health of the sport's great the thing that frustrates me a little bit which is why I ended up not on the commission essentially is I think we're too far behind in adapting our cars and our business to the current climate. These cars are still too advanced and too expensive to run for yep. no benefit of, of, of the, the fans. Yes. Um, you know, I was a massive advocate for cost cutting and presented so many things over the over the, my time um, on the board and commission and you know, not even 10% of them had found their way into the sport. and. And uh, I think that's the biggest issue. The product's fantastic, but things like all of the sensors, a little bit of horsepower that no one will notice is costing us a huge amount of money, which it shouldn't be. Yeah. All right, well, thanks very much, uh, Todd Kelly, for joining us on Inside Supercars. Pleasure. Thank you, mate. No After the break on Inside Supercars, we'll be back with Jamie Winkup. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones I'm from the Cool Drive Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. It's moments after race 27. Jamie Wincup again on the podium, as you were yesterday. Yeah. But not here to talk about that. I want to talk about a new position for you, and that being on the commission. Yeah. Now, it's something, obviously, that's been brewing within you. You own a share of the business, and you've been driving it 15 or more years. So yeah. Yeah. tell us about that move to go on the commission. Yeah, I, um, I, asked, I flagged the idea with RD about six months ago, and uh, then just last 
just last week I convinced him to uh, nominate me for the commission. Um, yeah, I've, I've decided. I've I, I realised a couple of years ago that um, I want to be involved with this sport for a long time to come, uh, and I realised that I wouldn't be driving. Uh, full-time forever um, so I needed to come up with a succession plan on how to stay in the sport and, uh, and, and make a difference so um, the first stepping stone was to, um, to to be a shareholder of a team and very uh, very thankful to be a shareholder AAA uh, which I'll which I'll grow on as the years go on and uh, now being a commission member um, I can I hopefully I can make a I, I can make a difference you know At, um, I, I really what the big point I want to make is is some really um, in t- in intelligent, high-quality high people already on the commission and the board and within supercars. So it's going to be really difficult for me to be able to um, match that potential or, or be able to better it, but, but add my... Um, Add, add my style into it um, to try to to try to make a gain. So the last thing I want to do is just 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 be there on the side and make up the numbers. I want to make sure that uh, that I can can make a difference, and that's going to be challenging. But um, I don't steer away from any hard work or a challenge. I'll um, I'll get in there and have a crack. One of the things I found terrific to actually hear from a couple of team owners was that you bring a perspective that hasn't really been there before. I can't remember what your exact age is, but you've grown up with the social media. It's been a part of your driving career virtually from when you stepped into professional motorsport. Yeah, yeah. And that isn't there previously. We didn't have that outlook on it, which is something that you can add to the spectrum. Yeah, so the world's world's changing, you know, and the the ones that survive, not the strongest survive, not the most intelligent survive, it's the one that can adapt to change. They're the ones that... that, that, that survive in this day and age. So yes, yeah, I'm I'm slightly younger than most of the people on the on the committee and the board, and in, and in but we've got the Timmy Blanchards as well. We've got the um, the Maddie Stones as well. So um, there is some young, there's some, there's some youth as far as management goes sure. um, in the mix. But um, I'm hoping, yeah, of course, I, I think it's important to have somebody on the commission that is not so much a current driver, but someone's driven the cars the last couple of years. Yep. We we do make decisions on numbers. We make decisions on um, engineering um, analysis, but for if I can bring to the table, yes, I've felt that driver warning. I've seen that driver warning system. I've used it. I know what that soft tire is like when it wears out. I've driven through that corner that we're talking about. I've hit that curb. Uh, I've been in that gravel trap. You know, I've I've um, experienced this, experienced that. I've felt that gearbox. So, uh, and then not that I'll have the answers, but hopefully I'll be able to ask the right questions. To be able to to be able to get, get the answers, so therefore, as a group, we make the right decisions. So, I'm hoping to bring something to the table. I'll, I'll either I'll go in hard and see if I can make a difference. I'll either make a difference or get told to piss off and go back to my box. But uh, all, either or, I'll um, I'll definitely give it. I'll, I'll treat it like everything else in my life, and I'll give it absolutely everything I got. I'm sure you will. One last one. Though. What is the commitment to it? What What do you actually have to do physically, as in terms of time load? Yeah, it's a massive time commitment. Um, so, I've probably just signed up three months of my life for uh, for the next for per year for the next two years. Um, you can, like anything in life, like anything in any business, you can put in a little bit of effort and make a little difference, or you can put in a big effort and and make and make a, a you know a, quite a large difference. So my job right now is to 
understand how the sport got to where it is right now. So let's go through all the, all the commission notes for the last three to five years, um, go through all the history of the sport, where, where we come through um, the original touring cars, through Vesco, through V8 supercars and now onto supercars and, and then we're going to move on to the 2022 car. Um, so I, I just really want to understand the, the sport, uh, understand the history of the commission um, and then I really want to understand what we're trying to sell. What, 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 is, what are we trying to do? And um, there's, there's so many people committing so much time and effort into this sport um, as far as the drivers go, as far as the teams go, as far as the fan base goes. You know, um, Some people have a physical um, commitment, uh, involvement. Some people have an emotional involvement, but it doesn't matter. There's so many people involved. And the, the, commission, the job of the commission is to ensure that those, those people, uh, their, their, their commitment or their investment into the sport is protected. And um, one, we've still got a sport for a long time to come, but two, we've got a really good sport, one of the, one of the best in the country. Well, I spent 25 years covering the sport, and I'm thoroughly delighted that you are on the commission. Oh, thank you, you, thank you. And I'm sure I actually speak, maybe not for thousands or tens of thousands, but there are an awful lot of people who are very glad you're there. So yep. thank you, Jamie Winker. Pa- pardon the pun, I just need to pull my finger out now and actually do something with it. Well. <laughs> Thanks to Jamie Winkup there. A break, and then it's Brad Jones talking pit stops and flying in from America, Dr. Jeff Slater, joining us here on Inside Supercars with Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian title since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome to Inside Supercars, this is Ryan Storey from DJR Team Penske, enjoy the show. Welcome to Inside Supercars, I'm here with Brad Jones, the winning team from the Friday endeavours, was it Friday or Thursday? Thursday. Thursday night, pit stops again. Your team has been well known. I remember back in 95, 96 in the days of NASCAR and OzCar and your team, you, you were there always about with it. And well, I mean, pit stop's always an important part of motorsport and so, um, uh, you know, it's something that we've worked on over the years. And like you said, with NASCAR racing um, and OzCar racing, it was a really important part. And so we used to spend a lot of time trying to make sure we got it all right. And, and then when we started... With, um, with the Audis and certainly when we got into supercars we uh, we identified how, how critical it was to get a good stop and we worked pretty hard at it. But it's more than just you know working hard at it. You, you obviously have a process in place to do that. Now, you know, fitness is obviously part of the job. Being technically built for it is part of the job. You, you, you choose the guys. Well, you don't, you know, the guys are part of the team so they've got to be able to do other things as well but you know we have a pit stop car so we practice regularly we've had the um, institute of sport come along and look at look at motion ratios of the guys and the best way to do it very early on we had them involved and and then it's practice and you know we've tried lots of practice and a little bit of practice and worked through it until we've found a, the point where it, it it's successful 
so it's not something that comes to you in two seconds. It takes these guys that are on the career, uh, on our team, have been doing it for years. Okay, so it's muscle memory is sort of what's involved. Yeah, I think that's an important part of that, and um, but but not so much that you um, you wear your body out. So you need to do it often enough that you um, you know have good muscle memory and you you're fast and you don't make any mistake. Um, but but we went through a stage where we were struggling a little bit and we decided to have pit stop practice three times a day for 30 minutes and what happened was everyone was starting to get injuries and break down and so so now we do it twice a day it's like 10 minutes before lunch 10 minutes before we go home and works out pretty well that's one of the other things i noticed because i was involved in most it's not quite that simple yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know what i mean when i was involved in most in the 70s early 70s um <laughs> there was nowhere near the catering uh, jobs that are done nowadays actually make sure that people are fed properly yeah it's, it's everything you know that's part of it but but it's everything you know it's it's uh, working out you know if you talk about the crew on the car it's working out who's new it's putting them in a position where whether you know they go to the left or they go to the right where they have less pressure on them so you know you don't put a new guy under under a refuel or if he's you know there's so many things that contribute to making them comfortable because you're only as fast as your slowest guy. Yeah. So, you know, along with nutrition or everything, it's all important. I mean, you know, we bring chefs to the races now. You wouldn't have done that 20 years ago. You actually uh, have a practice, as most teams would, have a practice rig um, back at the factory in Norbury. Practice rig that the guys actually work on, which is a AU valve? Yeah, it's a car. So it's um, just a six-cylinder but it's got all the running gear out of a supercar in it, so all the front uprights and the diff and everything is is out of a Super 3 car, and um, and we use that to break the suit. But it's not a normal AU Falcon. We've cut the guards out. We make it as close as we can to one of these. To, to we, It goes up at the same rate. It comes down at the same rate. So we put a fair bit of work in it to make it as close to one of these as we can. Wally's story. He's no longer a traveller with you. No, but he's always been an important part of the crew, and you know he's he's out there whipping them into shape, and and um, you know he's always played a uh, a big part of the pit stop. Okay, your pit stop work though goes beyond just guys being fast because you guys usually, whether it's you and your brother or just uh, the other crew here. Usually strategy-wise, you're always on it as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Strategy is one of those things. I mean, I was really disappointed after Bathurst when we went a lap down with, with our, our uh, 21 and 8 cars. You know, normally we can get back on the lead lap, no problem. But with this new rule where they put the blue flag out the minute you go green, it's a real problem. And, and you sink like a stone, so you've got to pull over and let run by. So um, I feel like... Supercars have got to a position where it's really difficult to get your lap back. Really, really difficult. You've got a very narrow window of about five laps, and it's dependent on a lot of cars stopping. So I think it's something that supercars need to look at for next season. Um, I, I know that you. Uh, Getting a little off point there. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that you uh, enjoyed a lot of motorsports very early on. 
Aubrey Car Club, things like that. NASCAR obviously played an important part in your development. Yeah, NASCAR was, you know, some of my most enjoyable motorsport happened around NASCAR and Oscar racing. And, and um, probably my greatest regret in motorsport was, even though I went to the States and tried hard to get a drive in something, I never actually got an opportunity to drive over there because I would have been really interested to see what happened if I got a chance to run on, you know, I, I wasn't going over there trying to run at Daytona and Talladega like the majority of the Australians did. I wanted to go and run on places like Martinsville, Richmond, you know, half mile, three quarter of a mile, you know, a little, maybe a little bit over a mile, but not much bigger than that, mile and a half maximum biggest. So, so never got that opportunity, which, you know, it was disappointing, to be honest. Now, one of the things that's been touted is that you're going to call cars next year. Yeah. In 2020. Maybe. Maybe, okay. <laughs> but I imagine that uh, you'll enjoy the thing being able to control far more. Your pit stops not having a share of it. Oh, yeah, definitely sharing pit stops is a very difficult thing because you can't all practice together. So you don't you don't have that camaraderie, you don't have that relationship, you know, you don't know what they're gonna do. So so ideally you would be in total I'm a control freak anyway, but you would be in control of your whole crew and you you know, then then it's up to you how you go, whether you live or die. Okay, so this year you don't have to share the check with anybody. The last year you got half a check from uh, Roger Bensky, which is pretty generous. I wouldn't pass that over. Well, it would depend on whether you thought he won or lost. I know, I know. I wasn't here and I'm not judging at all. Um, but um, end of year, you, you celebrate pretty big with the boys? Yeah, like, uh, yes. Um, we all have a, we had a pretty good Christmas party last year. And... <laughs> And the beer didn't get turned off, and I suggest it's going to be a pretty big one this year. All right, well, we look forward to hearing tales from Albury on the, the Christmas party at BJR. Thank you. Thank you. My uh, final thought revolves around engineers. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, meet up with an old friend in Jeff Slater who flew back from Rail Lanigan and the States in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, it's a reflection on how well. The engineers from Australia have gone overseas in the same way drivers have, so too engineers. And uh, Jeremy Moore comes back at the end of this month to uh, return to Triple Eight after two or three years away, at least, maybe four years away with Porsche winning world championships at Le Mans. But it's a reflection on uh, how the opportunities are there for young drivers, engineers and mechanics to all make their way in international motorsport. So enjoy the show and here's Jeff. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're talking with a race engineer who no longer works in the supercar paddock but now uh, has a position in, in Columbus, Ohio with Rail Lanigan Letterman. So Jeff Slater, aka Doctor, he is the Doctor of Engineering in the paddock, no longer here but now in Columbus. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Thank you, Tony. Um, interesting that you should end up there in Columbus, Ohio. I imagine that wasn't high on you and your wife's um, places of where we want to live. Uh, it, it wasn't. Those who know me know that I'm perpetually in a jumper and are afraid of very cold weather, and Columbus itself is a very cold environment. 
Is it getting snowy yet? Uh, it's just about, it's 8 degrees at the moment, but midwinter it'll be minus 30 degrees Celsius, so really looking forward to that. You actually warm your socks up before you put them on, don't you? I absolutely do. <laughs> and your car engine has the oil, has to be heated before you turn it on? Or it, it takes an hour before I can drive out of the parking lot. So. Unbelievable, okay. So, you're now working, it's a works BMW team. It is, yep. And it has been for some years. Uh, I think this was the 10th or 11th year. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Bobby Rail is known for putting together good good teams and people and things like that. Um, you've had success this year? Uh, yeah, yeah. We've had a couple of pole positions, lap records. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get a win. We got two seconds. Just uh, fortune, fortunes outside of our control limited the, the win. But um, yeah, had reasonable success. Team won the Daytona 24 hour, so all around it's, it's had its up and downs this year. Yeah. Okay, now you have the car that you're racing is a uh, M8? M8, yeah. Okay, tell us a little bit of the specs of that car. It's basically a glorified GT3, so it's a uh, bit more engine, bit more downforce, uh, doesn't have ABS like a GT3 does, but has full traction control and basically the cockpit is like a Formula 1 car. Okay, alright. And your drivers are? Uh, I have John Edwards, an American, and Jesse Croon, a Finnish driver. Okay, and he's a works BMW driver? Both of them. All, Both all, of them. all four drivers. Okay, and the other two are? Uh, Connor DiFilippi and Tom Blomquist. Okay. Alright, so it's an international team certainly that you work with. Very much. But the majority of the staff are American? Uh, 99% of the staff are American. Oh, right. There's two Australians in the team, myself and the data engineer. Okay, being the, the Vegemite eaters in the team, you're made aware of that all the time? Oh, absolutely. There's a little satchel on my desk every time I go to sit down. <laughs> I don't know where they get it from, but it's always it's, there. It's there. Okay, so racing in North America, um, racing in America full stop anywhere is very different to Australia. Um, have you seen that evidence and how do you come across a race weekend? I think just the resources they have far exceed what we have here in Australia. Australians are very good with working within the budget to maximise the team's capability. Uh, over there, having the factory support, a lot more money. Um, the team used to be an IndyCar team, so a lot of the resources behind the scenes that you will never see uh, make supercars or dwarf what supercars have. Yep. Okay. Um, the the organisation though is it still multi-level because you're in different categories, aren't you? We are. Yep. Yeah. Uh, as in the WeatherTech Championship. Yep. Yeah. So there's still the DPI, which are the prototypes similar to what they race at Le Mans. GTLM, which is the class that I am, which is the GT category that is at Le Mans, so GT Le Mans, and GTD, which is a standard GT3. Okay. Now, having worked in uh, techno, having had great success with both uh, the GT cars and also supercars, um, that it's at a different level, I would think, in terms of the budget. Very much so. So you have the resources to do things. You can actually suggest things and, and it's... Uh, well, for example, we've spent about four weeks just working on trying to find one of a second of fuel flow so you know there's a lot more emphasis on trying to maximize the nth degree of what we can do how big an engineering force have they got there uh, we have six full-time engineers okay so it's reasonably small but they're all focused on certain areas so we have specific engineers for the electrical side which are the systems engineers we have two performance engineers which are more data based but 
uh, heavily involved with it. Um, they both come from Formula One, from Williams Formula, Formula One, and one was a former technical director in the... Are they, are they European? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, one's, one's Canadian, one's European. Yeah. Uh, and then two race engineers, which okay. oversee the whole whole process. And so your counterpart on the other car, where's he from? Uh, he's, he's American, he's from Ohio, he's been there f- for 15 years, I believe. He okay. did Indy Lights there and worked on some of the Indy car programs with Danny Kirkpatrick, and uh, so he's, he's grown up, basically, at Ray Hall. And, and how Bobby Rail does he get involved at all, or is he at a distance? He, he's pretty much at a distance. He's more involved with the IndyCar side, but at each round he'll, he'll pop up on a Saturday just to say hi and give us a bit of a motivational speech. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so he's really the figurehead, so to speak, um, but doesn't really get involved with any technicalities. Given that these cars are not dissimilar to a supercar, you know, in a kind of more powerful or lighter, Uh, there's been talks of potentially helping out with the third car during uh, the Indy 500. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing what the processes they have in place there, and, and uh, we'll see what the future holds. That certainly uh, equals our Bathurst and races a bit. Yeah, uh, the, an Indy 500 victory wouldn't be a bad thing to have on the mantle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Add it to your repertoire. Yeah. I always like a comment made by Tim Sindrick about uh, when he came to his first Bathurst. And, uh, of course, he'd been involved in maybe 15, 20 or whatever Indy 500s. And he said, I reckon you, do, you guys do race day better. <laughs> <laughs> and he was reading the build-up to the race. that you know, Because the Indy 500 is... It's, it's an amazing spectacle. It, it is, but it's over. A, 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 well, it used to be a month's period, so yeah. the, the build-up is just slow and prolonged. Whereas, you know, we're, we're there for three or four days, but race days where the yeah, yeah, the emphasis is that yeah, indeed. And and living in Columbus, it's uh, obviously weather-wise a, a million miles from the Gold Coast. Summer is very similar to what the Gold Coast weather is. Uh, winter, yes, a mile, a thousand miles away. You're living an extreme life. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we look forward to uh, catching up with you again. And uh, thanks for your time on Inside Supercars with Jeff Slater. Craig, uh, final thought for this week. Well, Tony, my final thought is in and around what was a boring race. Two boring races, if you like. And the discussion over aero. Now... If you listen to the drivers, uh, they say that the aero has jumped about 30% this year with the development of the Mustang and then the subsequent changes to the Commodore. They're talking about knocking off 15% of aero for next year. And some people are saying that's still nowhere near enough. If we continue to have races like we saw at the Gold Coast, they need to knock about 50% of the aero off because cars cannot follow cars close enough to be able to make a pass. It's all being done on tyre life. And that's, whilst I've got nothing against uh, Kevin's tyres, that's not the best way to run your motor racing series, in my opinion. We've got to get these cars back to where they're fast enough but are raceable. And until they're raceable you don't have good racing. And that's it for another week of Inside Supercars. Craig, it's good night from me. And good night from him. Good night. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.